Hello, you're listening to Owl Walk, the podcast that speaks to real people with real stories about real God. Each episode is split into three parts. Part one, your backstory, your family. Where did you grow up? How did you grow up? What was it like? Part two, when did you meet God? What was it like? How did it happen? And part three, what's happened since you met God? How has he transformed you? How have things changed and what's gone on in your life? Now, before we begin the interview, I want to encourage you all, please do get in touch with us with any criticisms, any feedback, any encouragements. Just email ourwalkpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at ourwalkpod or find us on Facebook. Just search ourwalkpod. This week, we're interviewing Lewis. So, as Steve said, this week we are joined by Lewis all the way from Chester, who we are Skyping at the moment. How are you, Lewis? I'm well, thank you. How are you guys? Yeah, we're good down here in uh, Reading. How are you, Steve? You all right? I am blessed, mate. Awesome. So, Lewis. Yes. I've known you how how long? How many years? Um, Good question. Probably about, let's say, 12, 13 years. That's That's a long time. Yeah. And even though we don't see each other much, you're you're like a brother to me. Um, talking of brothers, you're actually gonna be my brother-in-law in a few months. I now. am. It's a bit scary, isn't it? For Marry you, my sister. I'm not sure I approve that. <laughs> <laughs> well, tough. You, yeah. uh, the wedding is going ahead, whether you like it or not. Boom. I do like it. I do like it. <laughs> so, um, Lewis, as we start off all of our podcasts. Uh, we first like to talk about your backstory. So just tell us, you know, where did you grow up and, you know, your family and stuff and, yeah, your childhood. Okay. So this is quite nice because I was listening to the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and it was Stephen's one and he said that he was born in Farnborough, which blew my mind because I was also born in Farnborough. I had no idea. No way. Um, Yeah. He he sent me a photo of his passport (laughs) saying, look, look. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Uh, I'd like to say also that was the first day I had that passport, so fresh. Um, but yeah, I was born in Farnborough in an ambulance, so I was constantly on the move, you know. Um, <laughs> and then I moved to Reading when I was about a year and a half old, I think, so um, before my brother was born. And that was because my dad had accepted a job, I think, near to Reading. So we moved, and uh, up until university, so when I turned 18. I lived in Reading, so I spent my whole life up to that point in Reading, right. um, as you guys did as well. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up, absolutely loved Reading um, as a town. I think it's brilliant. But the maybe the bits that people don't see very often are my favourite bits, so my house. But <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> just the bits that like, I enjoy being in Reading. I enjoy enjoy living in Reading. I've got a lot of friends there as well, so... Um, yeah, I grew up there. I grew up in a fair to say semi-Christian household. I think it was um, my mum and dad divorced when I was quite young, maybe six or seven. Right. Um, they split up a bit before then, um, but they had both been churchgoers to an extent. And then after the divorce, my mum started going to church a lot more, right. and so it was also like spring. And I can remember the first Sunday I was there because I got to go to Jam, which was one of the youth groups. 
and I was actually a year too young, or two years too young to be in it. Right. Um, but I felt fantastic so with the big, the big guns. <laughs> <laughs> with the big boys. <laughs> um, so that, that's how I got introduced to church. Because previously to that, I'd been going to a Methodist church, which looking back was probably okay. But as a youngster, it wasn't really something that I'd engaged with very much. And it took me quite a few years anyway to get engaged at the new church. But that was sort of how I got introduced to a regular church mm. sort of attendance. Um, and yeah, growing up, it's been very similar. I've been at the same church until I moved up to Chester. Um, I've been able to go with my family. So other than my dad, so my siblings and my mum uh, and my stepdad, eventually we all went along. And um, yeah, since then, I've moved up to Chester, studied at university up here uh, and then decided to stay because, again, I think it's a, a brilliant city and been going to the same church up here now for, for about three and a half years. So there's been longevity wherever I've been. That's fair to say. You're loyal to where you live. <laughs> Amen. I love it all. <laughs> Lewis, I have a question. So you started off talking about your family by saying it was a semi-Christian household. So what was yes. semi about it? Um, so my mum had sort of found Christianity uh, in the early 90s, maybe late 80s, early 90s. She likely knew of it before then. Uh, but in terms of like actively getting involved, she started to maybe take an interest. Like I, I have a car that's just got a cassette player and my mum has loads of cassettes from like 1992 or something like that from like New Wine and all these kind of Christian, old school Christian things. Um, so that was sort of when I think she started to really kind of get on board but then maybe went a bit dull for a bit um, and then picked up again, you know, when the divorce happened. But my father, he, I'm very posh father, my dad, he... Um, <laughs> <laughs> he grew up in Glasgow and so he went to Church of Scotland uh, quite a lot um, but he, he sort of drifted off when he went to university um, and so he has you know when I was younger he had you know Christian values um, but it wasn't like we were like passionate about it we weren't going along every week and, and you know it's, it tended to be mum took me one week that took me the next sort of thing you know stuff like that and I played rugby and so sometimes I wouldn't go on Sunday and stuff like that so it wasn't like fully committed. I'd say that's why I'd say semi, semi Christian. You, you say you played rugby for people that don't know what you look like, or, or for the benefit of the listeners, you do not look like a rugby player. Lewis, for the benefit of the listeners, could you describe yourself, please, the way you look, your appearance? So I'm a tall, dark, attractive man. Uh, a thin posh. <laughs> I'm not, no, not I'm, denying that. I'm not denying that. That laughter was not, I'm, you know, because I disagreed with that. Um, but going on the rugby thing, you know, um, so as a kid, Lewis, you know, what were your hobbies and what what hobbies of these have are still in your life now? You know, so do you still play rugby? Um, no. So essentially, I gave it rugby because it was every. I tended to go every other Sunday eventually. Mm. So. Um, when I was with my dad for the weekend, I'd go to, to play rugby for London Scottish um, because my dad is very patriotic and anything with Scotland in it, you have to take part in. So that's what I played for. But then eventually when I realised I wanted to go to church every week instead of playing rugby instead and missing out, um, I decided to, to go and play, uh, to stop playing rugby, sorry. Um, so I, I really do enjoy rugby still. I haven't played it since school, so right. years ago, mm-hmm. like five, six years uh, and even then, I was absolutely terrible at it because, like I said, I'm not built for rugby at all. <laughs> when I was younger, I had a much better sense of gravity and I was fairly quick. Whereas now, I run like an 
ostrich um, all <laughs> over there. <laughs> like a wobbling plate, do you know what I mean? So I stopped playing rugby, uh, but then I carried on playing football, right. um, which I've considered quite a lot to be a poor decision because I'm rubbish at football as well. So <laughs> I should have carried on rugby. Okay. Um, so I played, on a Saturday I played football. Um, but then hobbies when I grew up, it's very much just like FIFA, which, I mean, I still like FIFA now. Maybe too much would be a comic um, at times. Um, but yeah, that was one of the main ones. But then I did enjoy um, reading quite a lot when I was younger. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed that a lot, especially towards the end of my primary school years. We were encouraged a lot to read, so stuff like Mallory Blackman and stuff. So getting back into reading, especially Christian literature, has been something that I've been really keen to do the past couple of years, really. Not, you know, I went quite blank, but yeah, I picked up that hobby again, which is nice because it's obviously quite an intellectual hobby as opposed to just sitting and twiddling my thumbs too much. To take a shot and have a, have a goal at FIFA. Um, <laughs> yeah, which, by, the way, with the <laughs> by the way, I'm still not a fan of your FIFA methods. <laughs> he, for, for those listening and who understand FIFA, he just hacks you out as soon as you try to attack him, so you can't get near him. It's the most annoying thing ever. It works. <laughs> it does work. So, Lewis, um, we're going to g- get deep again, sorry. But, um, okay. you know, you say your parents divorced when you were fairly young. Would you say yes. that has affected you? Like, what, you know, how have that affected you emotionally or anything at all? Um, I think initially it seemed to almost like skim the surface of it. So, I remember... At one of our youth events, we had a time of like testimonies, and I remember my sister went up and she, you know, fiance, she went up and, uh, <laughs> you know, that, I don't know, I didn't. Um, <laughs> I did <laughs> <laughs> uh, She went up and shared how much she had struggled through that time, and I remember I went up and I didn't like take the mickey or anything like that, but I was like, oh, I didn't mind it too much, you know, I got two presents a year as opposed to one, and blah blah blah. Um, but then it's really been since I've been away, maybe, uh, that I realised that it did have an impact. And just so I was in a, you know, in a relationship fairly recently, and it was getting into that and realising that I hadn't seen how a man and a woman interact. You know, obviously a relationship is not marriage, so that's something you would stress. But um, you know, you can see obviously a build up to marriage. So I, I hadn't seen what it was like to have the two in the same room at the same time, you know, constantly loving one another. So that was difficult. And growing up, when I was in year seven, eight, nine, maybe, I was a very angry little guy at times. Um, and I got bullied quite a lot at school. And so I think the combination of the two, not really knowing a, a respect for maybe elders. Like my mum raised me very well, um, but I was still like a boy and I thought I could do what I want. Mm. So a few times I kicked down the bathroom door, probably dented it, which is a bit like bit of a silly thing to do like not, I don't look back at that and think well done like, and I had to go and get <laughs> like, I, I don't know what it's I don't think it was therapy I didn't go that far I think it was like counselling right. so I think it was every maybe every Monday I think it was for so I went to counselling in the centre of Reading and that seemed to really help me but I think that maybe stemmed from the fact that you know I was at school getting bullied and then I came home and I kind of wanted to assert myself a bit more. Right. And uh, from examples I've seen of, of, of families where, the, you know, the mum and dad are still there, then you've kind of got that understanding. Obviously, they still play up, but you've got the two 
very necessary. I think parts of the relationship help you understand as a young a young guy like what you should be doing, what you shouldn't, so where the boundaries are. Mm. So I think yeah, it did affect me. Yeah, and that um, that that age, you know, is a very tricky time. You know, it's where you start questioning a lot of stuff about life. So and you've got all these things going around, especially being in school and stuff. Uh, were there any other struggles? So you say you were bullied, but were there any other struggles that you were sort of facing in this around this time of your childhood? Um, <laughs> I'm tempted to mention the fact that I used to kick you all the time on the trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we did. We did used to have a wrestling match, which is on the trampoline in my garden. <laughs> um, and maybe that was anger as well. I don't know. Like, there was there was a part of me, but like, I didn't do it because I was angry at Luke. Yeah. But I, I was with his brother Connor, and we would literally Luke presented himself as a target, so I didn't say no. <laughs> I think uh, I think having this sort of pent up frustration, and I'm not. I've never been a very physically imposing character, mm. and so I was never able to confront people at school and try and beat them up. I probably wouldn't want to do it anyway. Um, so maybe. Stuff like that, like me and my brother used to have scuffles. I think it's probably just more brotherly thing. Yeah, I mean, anger was a thing. Anger right. was, and I used to run away. Okay, occasionally, like um, it wasn't like severe. I know a couple of times my mum got very like, worried and called the police, which, considering it was probably pretty serious, but yeah, it, it would stuff just be like I'd walk out the house with no shoes on and I'd be gone for for two hours. But in reality, I was just at the end of sort of a few roads away. But mum was obviously freaking out because she had no idea where I'd gone. That was not a reflection of her poor parenting whatsoever. It was just, like I said, my incredibly poor reaction to her telling me that I should be doing something, which is absolutely 100% legitimate. Yeah. Um, so I'd say, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things I would look back at there. And when I first went to school, it might sound a bit silly, I don't know, but I, I, really, I swore absolutely loads. And so I went from not swearing at all because I knew it was wrong to swearing all the time. And that, that troubled my mum because I think she saw something was happening, like something was going wrong combination of a few different things so they were probably the main struggles I had sort of end of primary start of secondary yeah so Lewis this this angry man that runs away in bare feet how, how <laughs> you were taken to church by your mum yes yeah did you did you enjoy going to church what kind of what you know why did you keep going that kind of thing uh, so I think I was thinking about this in the other day actually because I remember one week I was sat at the front with, we used to sit right at the front of the church, and I was there with my brother as well and my sister. And I think my sister may have been standing up, but then my brother Andrew and I were sat down. Like, I wasn't fed up, I just was like, oh, there's no point standing. I'm tired, pretty much. Um, and I remember my mum sort of tapping me on the shoulder and just saying, um, like, can you stand up? Like, it's, it's one morning, it's, it's Sunday, it's God's. And my response there was like, oh, I'm tired. I don't need to. God knows I want to be here sort of thing. So I think it was a mixture of like, I really enjoyed Sunday school a lot of the time. Um, I enjoyed having friends. I knew a lot of, you know, one of my best mates from prime school also went to church there as well. So I wouldn't say that I didn't want to go. There were some weeks that I was like less keen. Maybe part of the fact that I didn't mind going was because every other weekend I was with my dad. And initially I didn't go to church when I was with my dad, you know, for that weekend. So, Mm. you know, I had respite you know if you could call it that and so I didn't have like a you know most Sunday mornings I didn't wake up and I was like desperate to to miss church I was quite eager to go and see people 
eat bread when they had communion. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love that bread. I remember every Sunday that we had it, we'd run down from Jam or Inspire, whatever it was, and if there were still loads of bread at the front, you'd race each other and like, rip these bits of bread to pieces. <laughs> Oh, I mean, dear. I'm also going to throw out there that you you were also in my my house group, so yes. you know that was obviously the main reason you kept going back to church was. No, that probably was a massive. Not so much that it was you, like that did help, but like the fact that I had <laughs> the fact that I had like a, a closer group of friends that I would see at church and see every Tuesday night. So I went from I went to one of those groups since I was five or six. All oh, right. Um, Wow. The lady that I had it with, she then moved to, I think it was Mozambique, um, and then I had it with another guy and then passed on to Steve. I remember the first week that we had that, I was like, who is this man? Like, like, I'm not going to let Andy go away and this guy take over. Do you know what I mean? And then <laughs> eventually it was quite good. And yeah, I mean, that's, I think Connor started coming along and then Luke eventually as well. So it was like, there was like, I had friendships there. I, I enjoyed being there. and We would have fun. We'd also actually talk about God and the Bible, which wasn't necessary obviously all right well awesome so we're going to take a quick break now when we come back lewis you're going to share with us well hopefully you will about how you met god so lewis you had a very interesting childhood with uh parents that are divorced you had Anger problems, you were running away without shoes on. I'm a bit obsessed with that idea, by the way. Can you can you imagine? Um, so you went to church, you went to a group, you were involved. So how did it become real to you? At what point did it become real? And how did you get to a place where you encountered God? Um, I think the, the fact that I was constantly interested in coming back, that seemed to like resonate within me that there was... I didn't, there was no point in coming to church when I was young. I thought there's nothing there. Um, you know, these people are singing to no one. There was always an understanding that God was real. Like, maybe I didn't understand how you got to God or, or what the process was like, process in inverted commas was like. Um, but I was aware that I had a creator and that Jesus Christ had died for me and had risen again. Um, so I think growing up, that encouraged me. I, I like to think that I lived to an extent faithfully for you know a while in my childhood. I think I got baptised when I was thirteen, and that came just from uh, being in these cell groups, these house groups, and just being encouraged to. Because I guess people had seen a progression within me that I wanted to know God more. I was willing to say, "Look, God, I want to give you a rest of my life," and so I did. Um, <laughs> I can remember saying in my uh, my little bit before my baptism, that I had uh, I'd really matured, and having matured, I wanted to give my life to God, and then people like burst out laughing. I, was like, what? <laughs> I actually remember that because we got baptized on the same night. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow. <laughs> can, you, can you understand now what now you're twenty twenty one? Why people were laughing? Absolutely, and it causes me a relative <laughs> level of embarrassment. <laughs> But I mean, yeah. it relates to another point I was thinking, like, I don't know what the Bible says about double baptisms, like, there's no need to get baptised twice, but like, in my head it's like, I kind of wish I'd left it a couple more years, do you know what I mean? So, mm. not that it meant any less then, but because I know that a lot of my life still wasn't 
commit to Christ. And I think even now there are parts of my life that I, you have to like give to God and that is daily a struggle sometimes. And obviously sometimes I, I fail, but I would feel a lot more confident a few years later to have been like, yeah, but this is genuine. Like it was genuine at the time, but like I know more about what it means. Um, I have no regrets about getting baptized at all. Like obviously very, very like beneficial. Like, thoroughly wanted to do it. But, um, and then I think when I was 15 or 16, maybe a bit older than that, I remember sitting in the car and I studied, it would have been a bit later than that, because I studied philosophy and ethics at university, at uh, university, at school. And um, and we looked at a lot of people that said a lot of different things about where the world had come from or, or who had done it or, you know, how foolish it was that anyone could think that God was real. And I remember it really got to me because... For some reason, like the, the words on these pages of a textbook for a long time became more concrete than the words in the Bible did. And it really took me back when I remember that. I came home from school one night and my mum used to work at school and so I've got to live back. I remember just sitting in the car on the way home thinking, like, do I believe it? Like, what am I going to do? Like, if I do, I know I need to like confirm it. And uh, mum got out of the car and I just sat there and I just said, Lord, I want to, I want to like commit this. I believe it. I don't want to listen to these words that aren't yours. I don't want, like, I don't want to take man's wisdom to be higher than yours. And again, that's something that I think is quite a regular struggle. But, um, but the words of the Bible are fantastic, and I'm obviously very glad that I decided to like stick with that and choose that to be yeah. how I committed. But I'd say that those two moments are like the moments that would really define the fact that I wanted to follow Christ, like the initial like commit commitment. And then the baptism subsequently followed, and then it's sort of like the real like recognition that actually there are going to be people that don't are going to like mock you essentially for what you believe, or people that are going to be able to present things that seem like good ideas, um, but actually don't measure up to the Bible and don't measure up to like God's word itself. So mm. that would be the two. I, I wouldn't be able to say that I met God on one day and that was that, but they were the two that I'd really say God worked in heavily. Yeah. And have there been any other moments aside from those two that you think maybe have not been great of moments that in the sense that it's impact you is greater than those two moments did, but have there been moments where you felt like you spiritually encountered God or anything like that, that kind of stand out to you? Um, the next one I would really point to would be in my first year at university. So it would have been what would it, January, 2014, I mm -hmm. think, or 15, one or two. And um, for some reason, when I was at university, the first two years, January and February would be a real struggle for my faith. And I, I have no idea why. I don't know if it was the fact that I was coming back from home and I had a lot of work to do. I don't really know what it was. Um, but in that first year, it really, like, hit me that I just didn't know what was going on, if that made sense. Like, I had a lot of, I think, bullying had kind of risen to the surface again. Not being bullied, but the effect that it had on me had kind of risen to the surface. Yeah. And uh, thankfully, I was never bullied like severely, but it had clearly affected me to an extent. And that had uh, caused me to maybe turn a blind eye to God and various sin that had cast, you know, really cast a shadow, like put a curtain across my eyes, essentially. Um, that had really, like, made me doubt whether God even wanted me to be there, like, you know, does God want to speak to me every day? Like, does he want me to like, actually not like, meet with him? And I think that those initial thoughts then like spread into this real seed of doubt. That, I know it's an analogy, but it was true. Like it grew, like it really did kind of put a block. 
and I'd go to church every weekend. I'd go to the Christian Union, and part of me was really desperate to like worship God, but then part of me was just like, I'm just going to do it because that's what I'm used to. Um, and obviously, I prayed, but not very much. And then I remember one day, um, I think it was in the morning of, of, of a weekday at some point, but I basically prayed and just this unbelievable, like, I don't know if it's a presence, but just a knowledge that God was there, like a real knowledge that God was like desperate for me to like turn around and like say something to him and like to do something. I'm so thankful for that as well, just because, you know, when you look back, it's like, well, I thought I gave my life to God there and I thought I gave it to him there. And actually, like I did, but just I'd let this like doubt really sew into myself. Mm. And it just meant like God, like there's the whole thing of like, um, I've forgotten where in the Bible it talks about it, but like Jesus is like knocking at the door, like God is knocking and we have to answer that. And it was like so clear to me that that was what was going on. Like, oh, wow. God, I can never blame him for the fact that he gave up or that he wasn't there and turned his back on me. Like it was just completely me being ignorant and blind to, to what God wanted me to do. And so I think that really did like speak volumes to me because it was one of those points where it was like I wasn't with other people, I wasn't doing anything I just knew God was there and I knew God wanted me to, to turn back to him and, and say sorry and just like live with him again um, and that was fantastic and something that I look back and smile about and just thank God for still because things could turn out differently anytime do you know what I mean so, yeah no that, that's amazing yeah yeah wow so we've had a few moments of encountering we've seen where the relationship starts building and where the doubt starts to seep away we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and hear all about what's happened since those moments. So, Steve, last week in your podcast, you talked a bit about going to Uganda and how that impacted your life. I've also been to Uganda. I went last year, which impacted my life. Lewis, you went to Uganda as well. Um, I can't remember how old you were, but I remember you coming back. And it was you coming back with a group of people that you were with that really inspired me to go. Uh, someone who had never been abroad, let alone go to um, Uganda in Africa, you know, which can be a, quite a rural place. So could you tell me a little bit more about that experience for you? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. How I think I was 14 or 15 when and I was absolutely terrified, like so scared. I remember getting there and thinking, what am I doing? Like, this is, like you say, like, Africa is so far away. Yeah. And I was terrified of flying. Like, that's a really silly thing to do if you're scared of flying. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I went over, yeah, and it was fantastic. I mean, the hospitality shown to us when we were there, we visited Kampala, the capital, of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we went to a little village called Mpiji, sort of uh, in the middle of the two bits in Kampala and I think you two would have done similar I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um and that was fantastic because um like you say, like the, the country itself, Uganda is astonishing, like in, in terms of Africa back then maybe I had preconceptions that it was going to be completely different to what it was, but it was lovely. But then I think just seeing the genuine heart that people had for, for Jesus, like the honour that they put not just on a Sunday morning but every day mm. to put him first was was fantastic. Um, like I said, their hospitality to us was amazing and um, things that maybe I would have considered to be strange before I went, by the time I'd left, was, was absolutely just made sense. Like just people on the Sunday morning just going absolutely mad, like just really, like not like stupid sort of 
you know, nonsensical stuff, but just completely committing like their pride to God. Like they didn't care what they looked like. Like they they weren't bothered about um, you know about what people might say about them after the service. Like it was it was so obvious that they just loved Jesus. And I think like anyone that sees poverty, like I mean, we have poverty in England. Like that's a fact. But um, just the the un like unquenchable desire to like praise God to spend more time in sort of his word like the service went on three or four hours like it was no one was leaving early like yeah. people just wanted to stay and like after that they'd have food like they'd, they'd provide food for the kids like it, there was so much going on that just like really blessed me um I remember we spent a night in the PG in the village and we had a big um a big kind of like dance essentially so this church had a lot of people from other African countries. So Kenya was right next door, of course. They had people from South Africa, from Tanzania, and they all came up and did their their little sort of their country's, I guess, traditional dance. Um, and then <laughs> they got us up to do it. It was a bit of a nightmare, but, um, <laughs> but then just the, like I said, the hospitality. But then the desire to, to constantly be praising God, like even when we went to go and visit the Nile, like there was just this acknowledgement of how great it was because of God. Like, And uh, I think coming back, like I wouldn't be able to say I came back and I realised the riches that I had because I think I was probably aware of that before I went out. I, I don't like think that I was ignorant to that. But yeah, just seeing there were, there were people that, there were people that had a lot of, members of their family that lived in one room, two rooms. Yeah. And seeing that face, you know, firsthand, yeah, they were so keen to get up and praise God was, was yeah, genuinely changed me, I think. Um, and the fact that I was able to take part in, in conversations with them, not just going out and, and helping them build something like they genuinely wanted to talk to me. And I was a scrawny little 14, 15-year-old that hardly did anything. Mm-hmm. But they were so keen just to get to know me a bit better and to hear a bit more about me and to hear a bit more about my faith. And so... Um, that was that was really encouraging to see that, and I think when you it sounds silly, but when you go to the other side of the world and God is the same God as He is here, that profoundly impacted me because I was like, how is that? Like that just showed on a really small scale, but like really like uh, noticeably how big God was. He's obviously bigger than the distance from England to Uganda, but was like just the the factual side of it was amazing. Mm. It, uh, it was fantastic. You also went on another trip, I seem to remember. Uh, not quite as far this time. <laughs> it felt further uh, to <laughs> Serbia. <laughs> we got two flights to Belgrade, the capital, and then we had a, a four-hour journey down to a town called Izice. I think I butcher that every time I say it. Um, but the guy basically in the minibus that was driving us had a phone call the entire way down driving one-handed, horrible. Um, <laughs> but that was fantastic as well, because that was a completely different setting once again. That was just before I came to university. And actually, the fear that I had sitting on the bed the first night I got there, because it was a missional trip. It was a trip where we were expected to to get to know people, like to stick our necks out and be like, do you want to like, have a chat about God? Like, do you know what I mean? And at that point, I was like, well, I don't know if I can do that. I'm flipping terrified of that. Um, but that was unbelievable as well because Serbia, so in terms of religion, Serbia 
is typically Orthodox Christian. And so that was very structured, very, um, from my experience of it, when I went, there were people that would go into the church, put money in a box, you know, a picture of Jesus, there'd be money, put it in, you kiss the picture and stuff. So a very, very different understanding, I think, of, of Christianity. But then, uh, you know, born-again Christianity, Protestantism, whatever you'd like to call it, reached the north of Serbia. But then Ezechi was right at the bottom and it had never gone that far. So uh, when we were there, the head of the base there, it was a YWAM base, uh, the head of the base said that that was probably the biggest concentration of Christians, born-again Christians, that they'd ever been there because uh, there was a team of about seven or eight of us, and then there was also a team of uh, of Christians from Belarus. Uh, there was about eight or nine of them as well. So there was probably overall about 20 people in this entire town, and that was maybe the most I'd ever seen before. Um, and it was maybe the first time that I'd seen hard hearts towards, or like really obvious hard hearts towards religion, because what happened in Uzice and in most of Serbia, in that kind of Basque region, uh, Basque, not Basque, the uh, Balkan region, Yugoslavia, was that hundreds of years ago, the Ottoman Empire had that, so the, Tur- the Turkish Empire, essentially, and they had the, so they were a, a Muslim empire, but then the people in Izice rebelled against that, and for one reason or another didn't want to have that still there, maybe because of the oppression that the empire itself had put them under, and so they destroyed those mosques, and since then there'd been no new religion there, there'd been no like I say, hard. There'd been a hard heart towards religion, so that been a real. That was another real eye opener and set me up very much for a different type of Christian mission. I think. Would you say your those two trips? Uh, you mentioned earlier about your your times of doubt and uh-huh. questioning. Would you say those two trips trips kind of gave you a, a foundation and a helping hand to get you through those times? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like I say, the the fact that in Africa, the, and it happens all over the world, but in Africa there'd been such a, a willing desire through incredible difficulty to praise God. Um, and then in Serbia where it had been this complete like, shut off where it was very difficult to communicate about a living real God that wanted to speak to people. They present different, like, different parts of what Christianity is, different parts of who Jesus Christ is. And I think there's so many parts of the Bible that talk about hardship, that talk about um, praising God through difficult times. Like Job is an incredible example because I just think when you remember that he is actually a real person or was a real person and all of that happened to him, it is unbelievable that he's stuck so close to God. Yeah. Um, so that was fantastic to see that, in, you know, evidenced in a similar way in, in those two countries as well. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. Um, so... You've had all these moments, you know, that have been um, quite impactful, um, made you reflect on some stuff. From these moments, Lewis, what has um, changed in your life from these moments, you know, and made you the person that you are today? So I think uh, the the fact that I just know God is, is forever with me. God is is evident and has been since the beginning and... Um, I think just stuff like knowing who God is a bit better and then being able to praise him for that and being able to, I think even just like sitting down and reading your Bible, understanding that that God is the same God that's been there since the beginning, but has been in all of these situations and has been the one that chose to reveal those things to me. Um, I think for anger, I still struggle with it 
occasionally mm-hmm. when I'm driving and someone cuts me up or, you know, if I'm frustrated at work, then it's still there and I, I don't particularly enjoy it. But, I mean, it's absolutely nothing compared to, to what it used to be, um, which I'm thankful for because I think if I was still kicking doors down, I'd be a bit of an outcast at this point. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, that's really changed. I mean, obviously, I think the, the sins that still sort of provide you with a, a level of kind of like regret. I mean, I think all sins should, but um, there are the sins that boys go through, most boys, and obviously I think women as well, in terms of lust and sort of what follows that. Yeah, That's been something that I struggled with big time growing up and something that, again, because of its presence in this world, like because of the constant sexualization of things and and desire for more and more to be kind of acceptable both on the part of women and men it's something that as I think you are probably aware everyone's aware that you just have to guard yourself against daily um, and so I think just being able to turn to God being able to um, there's a really nice Hillsong song an old one I think and it's just called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus and it's like a minute and a half long and it basically just sings that it says Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, I think it says. And it's just stuff like that, like just understanding that these sins that continue to drag you in have absolutely nothing in comparison to God. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's really like these moments like have all come whilst God has been ever-present and has, has made himself known to me in other ways as well. Um, that has really shown me that I can turn to him, I can look at him and forget about the fact that these sins are trying to call me in and uh, hurt, hurt me. So, Lewis, how have, well, have things been all rosy <laughs> since, <laughs> since uh, you know? Not at all. Um, I think the fact, like I said earlier, that when I was 13 I got baptised and then from that I still had struggles and then you know, since I've been up in Chester, like the fact that I've been away from home for almost four years now is crazy. But like, I can look back at, at years here and think that I had, well, I had that struggle there, I had that struggle there. God doesn't like take you out of all of these situations. Like, it's incredibly blessed the times that He does choose to, but He doesn't always do that. And you learn more being refined through the fire and being pruned. And uh, I've learned that, but then still, like you say, I've not, I've not given in or sort of given up everything that's bad and I still fight against that but short answer to your question no not everything is rosy and I continue to uh, to pray about it well come on to prayer requests in a little bit Lewis what um <laughs> <laughs> can you can you just round off this section with just your thoughts on what God has done for you what he's doing for you now God has been incredible like I think that's maybe from people of our perspective obvious, but then from other people maybe not. It's um, the shelter that he provides me on a daily basis, the people that he gives to you, like through a church family, through my family, being blessed with that massively. Um, and he continues to do that now. He continues to to give me ways out, continues to help me, and continues to to really just bless me and be my be my God and my Father, and my Savior. So Lewis, thank you for coming on our walk today. 
uh, and sharing your testimony. It's very powerful, you know. I've known you, like we said, for about 13, 14, maybe even more years. And I've seen you come from where you were, what you were, to this man that I see before me. You know, every time you come back to Reading, you've changed a little in the fact that you've matured, you know. And I remember this one night that we had in our cell group where we had some guy um, who was speaking prophecies over people. And he said something about you, which has always stuck out to me, is that, you know, you're a leader. I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said he got an image of you being a leader. And that's something I just still think of you every time I see, every time I think of you. You know, you've really got that leadership in you. Um, As we do with all of our podcasts, for the people that we are interviewing, we you know, ask the people who are listening what they can pray for for you. So what what would you like prayer for, my friend? Very kind. Um, the prayer, not that I'm not... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, I think the main one would just be, I think, uh, going to going to work every day. I think most people... Some days get up and think would rather be doing a different sort of thing, but just uh, just a desire to work hard every day to really want to please God in everything that I do, and that obviously includes work. Um, I want to to be able to finish every day and point to Him and, and thank Him for how it's gone, good or bad. But then also just know that um, it was for Him that I did the hard work. Uh, so I think yeah, just real like commitment to whatever I'm doing, whether that be a job or whether that be a uh, you know anything else? Very descriptive. <laughs> we will do that. Our listeners will do that too. Absolutely. Thank you, Thank you very much, Lewis, for spending your time speaking to us. Thank you very much, listeners, for listening to us. If you would like to get in touch with us about anything Lewis has said or anything we have said or you want to provide your own testimony, please do get in touch. You can go on Facebook and search Our Walk. You can go on Twitter at Our Walk Pod and you can email ourwalkpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, all that usual malarkey that you do with podcasts. Do all that. Help us out. Share us out. And we love you very much. We will be back very soon. Bye-bye.